those that may be listening for the first time, our podcast is an offshoot from our main platform, YouTube. Our channel is called Coffee and Bible Time, where our goal is to help people delight in God's word and thrive in Christian living. We also have a website and storefront with Bible studies, prayer journals, courses, and more. And I'm so excited to tell you about our brand new in-depth Bible study academy. Have you always wished that you knew how to study your Bible in-depthly for yourself, but you just don't have time to go to Bible college? Well, join us this year as we adventure through 12 different courses designed to give you the background and the tools to study the Bible for yourselves. You can find out more information about the Academy on our website at coffeeandbibletime.com. Well, I'm Mentor Mama, and today we are going to be talking about how to experience Israel without ever leaving home. Imagine that. (laughs) How many times have you read the Bible and simply wondered, what does it look like today? Or... What history does it still hold from when Jesus walked that very same terrain? Or maybe what's the landscape like? Or what are the people like there? But you're just not able to travel to Israel yourself. Well, our guest today, Dr. Charlie Dyer, author of the book, Experiencing the Land of the Book, A Life-Changing Journey Through Israel, has taken many trips to Israel over the years and is very familiar with the sights, sounds, customs, and emotional ties to the Holy Land. If you've never had the opportunity to travel to Israel, or if you have visited but want to relive the experience, you'll enjoy hearing from Dr. Dyer today. Dr. Charlie Dyer served for 33 years on the faculty and in the administration of three different institutions, including 20 years at Dallas Seminary and 10 years as provost of the Moody Bible Institute. In 2010, Charlie became professor at large of Bible for Moody Bible Institute and host of the Land and the Book radio program, which is heard on more than 350 stations across the United States. For much of his time in ministry, Charlie has taken groups to Israel and the other lands of the Bible. Over the past four decades, he has traveled to Israel nearly a hundred times, helping several thousand people experience firsthand the life-changing impact that comes from spending time in the land of the Bible. In addition to his own speaking, teaching, and guiding, Charlie has authored or co-authored numerous books. He's also contributed to the Bible Knowledge Commentary, Nelson's Old Testament Survey, and the Moody Bible Commentary. Charlie and his wife, Kathy, live near Phoenix, Arizona. They have two grown children, and four grandchildren. Please welcome Dr. Charlie Dyer. Thanks, Ellen. It's great being with you. I am so excited to talk to you today because I have to admit, a visit to the Holy Land truly is a dream of mine, and I'm hoping to get there one day, but I'm so excited for your book. For those of us that haven't 
been able to go there yet. We can actually read this book and feel like we're there. So you've been taking groups to Israel for 40 years. Tell us about the changes that you've seen during that time. Oh man. And there have been a lot of changes over that time. Uh, on the positive side, uh, tourism has grown. It, it's matured in Israel. Uh, there was a time when uh, our first tours, uh, they would literally pull up to an area and they'd say, well, okay, it's time for a, a restroom break. Uh, women to the left, men to the right. And uh, that that is no longer the case, thankfully. I, I say uh, Israel got better when they got Diet Coke. And uh, you know, the roads are better. It's easier to get around. The sites are, are better. They've, they've made them more accessible for people. Uh, now, on the negative, it's getting more crowded. Uh, mm. Back when I was first going, there were maybe a, a few hundred thousand a year coming to Israel. This year, it's it's over four million that will be visiting the Holy Land, and uh, tr- you know, it's just it's more difficult to even schedule tours. Hotel space is at a premium. So uh, uh, the good news is people are going to Israel. The bad news is people are going to Israel. Yeah. I guess it's a good conundrum to have, right? <laughs> well, it, it is. If you, if you want Israel to be blessed and the people over there to be blessed, it's a good thing for them. Yeah, yeah. Well, a, a lot of people might be afraid of traveling to Israel in the Middle East. Um, what What's your experience been in terms of safety and security? Well, I just got back from Israel about a week ago. So uh, at the current time, you know, there's uh, a lot in the news on uh, difficulties there. Uh, but in reality, uh, it's not affecting tourists, uh, the at least the tourist groups that are going to biblical sites. Uh, so I've been, in fact, my fir- very first trip, a war broke out while I was there. I came home and read about it. And what I saw and what I read were two different things. So uh, what we read in the news is, you know, if it bleeds, it leads is the old uh, statement. And and so much of Israel is, is totally safe, uh, especially the tourists-oriented uh, sites. Uh, the, uh, the the Jewish people and the Arab people may have troubles with one another, but they both enjoy your money, and uh, they're happy <laughs> to have you as a tourist. And and in fact, they they roll out the red carpet. So uh, we have found no major problems uh, throughout uh, through forty years of travel there, uh, several wars and uh, everything else. I, I tell people from the time you sign up uh, until the time you go, there'll probably be at least two two wars or or something that happens, but. Uh, just trust God. Uh, it, it's amazing. It's uh, the most dangerous part of going to Israel is driving from your home to the nearest airport. Uh, but once you've done that, statistically, most of the dangers passed. Oh, wow, that's really wonderful to hear. Well, let's jump into your book, Experiencing the Land of the Book. So tell us, who did you write this book for? Uh, well, actually, three groups. Uh, the first group are, uh, as you described in the introduction, people who've never been to Israel, who'd like to go, <clears throat> but uh, who, who haven't been able to so far. And then the second group are those who would like to go, but they're just never going to be able to make it. Uh, finances, family issues. Uh, but I wanted people to understand what it's like. Uh, and so I actually wrote mm-hmm. this as a tour uh, so they can go day by day and visit the sites. Uh, we put all the pictures in because I wanted people to visually see what it's like. Uh, then the third group, would be people who've been to Israel, but being there the first time, you feel like you're under Niagara Falls, you have a teacup in hand, and you're drinking like crazy, but it's all rushing past. Uh, and they, that group, they loved it. They want to go back. Now they're not sure if they can afford to or not, but uh, the book helps them remember, kind of put the pieces in place for uh, the time that they spent in Israel. So whether they've been or never been, uh, the book's really for them. 
Oh, oh I love that. I imagine for people who, who know their Bible well, the experience of the land really makes it come to life. And, and maybe those perhaps, I'm sure you have people on the tour that maybe have just started learning about their Bibles, right? I have to believe after coming back, they're just going to want to dig into so many passages that you cover. Is that the case? It is. It's a circle is the way I describe it. Uh, if you've never been to Israel and, and just starting the Bible, uh, it does it. What's your appetite? And you say, oh, I wish I had have read about this before I got here. But for those who had who, who've read the Bible their whole lives and get to Israel, they, they're the ones who are saying, I wish I'd come before. It makes so much more sense now. Uh, and, and it really is a circle. The more I, I found, the more I go, I always learn something new about the Bible and it helps me understand it more. And the more I understand about the Bible, the more I appreciate what I'm seeing when I'm there. So uh, it's a continuous circle. It's the equivalent of eating a potato chip. You know, once you've eaten one potato chip, you want more. And uh, you study the Bible, you want to see Israel. You see Israel and you want to study the Bible. Oh, that's so fascinating. Well, your book is actually referred to as a travel log through Israel, which takes people on a journey of the sites visited by tourists. But I think what's so fascinating is that along the way, you share humorous experiences from past trips, um, including, as you put it, the baptism of a lady in purple underwear. So tell us about that. <laughs> the, uh, well, the baptismal site, it's a wonderful site, and it's so typical Israel. It's, it's a beautiful Christian baptismal site run by a Jewish kibbutz. Uh, so... Uh, and they, they provide uh, baptismal certificates, changing rooms, and baptismal robes. But the robes are made out of a very thin cotton, kind of a uh, like a sheet, and it, it turns translucent in water. Ooh. So I've always told people, you know, just bring along a, your bathing suit or a, a pair of shorts and a T-shirt, something to wear underneath. Uh, and the one, one time I just mentioned it and assumed everybody would remember, one lady forgot. But she wanted to be baptized and said, oh, you know, he's just exaggerating. And so she went uh, into the baptism. When she came up, the, the gown turned translucent. And that day she had chosen to wear her purple underwear. But it got worse because the, the uh, fellow doing the baptizing kind of lost control of her. And she started floating downstream. So it's you're, you're watching this uh, slow motion uh, barge kind of moving down from our baptismal site to one of the other baptismal sites. And uh, now she laughed at the end of it all. But what's funny is I've tell that story now every time I've never had anybody forget to bring along their bathing suit or their their uh, uh, shorts and T-shirt uh, as a result. Yes, I'm quite certain of that. Wow. <laughs> that must have been a sight. Of all the places that you've uh, been to, Dr. Dyer, and that you write about, tell us about what's your favorite and why. Yeah, it'll take people by surprise because uh, you'd think the Sea of Galilee or Jerusalem. My favorite place is the Judean wilderness. Uh, it's uh, I love it for so many reasons. One, it's never changed. Uh, you can stand in, in the Judean wilderness today, and it's unlike anything anybody ever imagined. You know, from the Pacific Northwest, people think of uh, you know mountains with with fir trees on them, and uh, other people think of the Sahara Desert or whatever. But it's it's totally different than any of that. But it's amazing. You stand there and say, this is what it looked like when Abraham was here or when Jesus was here. When David fled from Saul, he fled through the wilderness. Mm -hmm. uh, the wilderness was always the place of testing. And it was always the place where God showed himself sufficient. And so you stand in the wilderness. And, and for me, I just look at it and I can trace the entire Bible in that one spot. Uh, the other reason I like it, though, our very first mm -hmm. trip uh, back back when I was younger and more nimble, 
Uh, we did a student trip and we walked the Judean wilderness from Jerusalem to Jericho. Uh, it was the hardest trip I've ever done. I ran out of water halfway down. It, it, you know, it was, but as a result, I recognized what it was like to be in the wilderness, to, uh, to depend on God, to, uh, to read about the Israelites complaining in the wilderness and suddenly realize if I'd have been there, I'd have been complaining as well. So, uh, it was, it was a visceral experience for me, but every time I go, I love it. And, uh, even things like, uh, well, we were just there uh, about three weeks ago and the flowers were out. Um, I'm heading again in another month. And but when I get there, I'm going to have to be telling people there were flowers here when I was here before, because the, the wind blew and the flowers have died. They've disappeared. And even passages like Isaiah 40 come right from that place in the wilderness. Really? Oh, wow. That's crazy. I'm, I think I think I just read that today. Well, I guess I read 41 today. It's so it's incredible to think about. I think about, too, like. Uh, Elijah. <laughs> oh yeah. And just his how he had to rely on the birds to <laughs> bring him food Ooh. and well, you know, you have done just a marvelous job of helping the reader feel like they are actually on this tour with you by all sharing some of your real life encounters with the people there. Can you tell us about the Oxford Shirt Shepherd and Donkey Man. Oh, yeah. I'll do them in reverse order. In fact, a Donkey Man is one, I call him one of the cast of characters on the Mount of Olives. You just run into all sorts of people. And this fellow was dressed in traditional Arab garb. He has a little a donkey with him. And um, he, he just puts on a show is the best way to describe it. He's so uh, approachable and, and uh, enjoyable. Uh, now, if you go over and have your picture taken, he does want uh, a dollar or two as a result. Uh, but it's worth it. Uh, and he's just one of the cast of characters, I say, that uh, that makes it, uh, you didn't expect it, and you find you love it. Now, uh, the Oxford Shirt Shepherd is a different one. My co-host and I were over in Israel. Uh, we were we were doing some, some audio for Christmas and Easter specials. And I'd contacted a friend who has a store in Bethlehem. I said, hey, is there any way you could get us in connection with a shepherd? Sure, no problem. Uh, well, we get there, and he hadn't done it. Uh, but he says, but don't worry, I'll, I'll, I'll make it work. And so he called us and said, it's, it's all set. He took us out and it's just showing up over the hill. There's this shepherd in his traditional Arab garb, a few sheep and goats with him. And, and, uh, they even, they even, uh, uh, bleated on cue. You know, we got all the, all the audio that we needed, uh, <laughs> tried to talk to him, but he, uh, no English. You can't speak English. Uh, but as we were thanking him, getting ready to leave, I noticed under his traditional Arab garb, he, garb, he had this, a powder blue Oxford button down shirt on. Oh. And you're thinking, okay, so is he a real shepherd or did my friend say, Hey, Frank, can you help me out here? I need these guys, you know, just put, put on that garb and get your neighbor's <laughs> sheep and show up and they'll, they'll never know the difference. Uh, oh. and, but that's how Israel is. It's just, you, you never know what's, what's around the next corner or over the next hill. Oh my goodness. That's hilarious. Oh boy. Well, it's interesting because most books on touring the Holy Land sites are usually in alphabetical order, but you chose to arrange them geographically. So what exactly were you trying to accomplish with this arrangement? Yeah, I actually started writing this book when, when COVID hit. I, I was, my wife and I were in our, our room with our suitcases packed to be picked up at the airport, taken to Israel when Israel closed down. And so for, for, uh, well, for a year and a half, we lost about five or six trips to Israel. 
Well, rather than getting upset, I decided I want to write about the trips. Uh, and what I found was that when, when things are in G, well, in alphabetical order, uh, you know, you have suddenly uh, uh, a Zeka next to, uh, you know, Abel Beth Ma'akad. They, people have no clue where they are or how they fit together. So I decided I'm going to write this as if I'm on a trip. And so I, I mm. sat down and, and literally uh, wrote a trip through Israel. And, and part of the reason that that's so good is you, you suddenly realize that uh, Caesarea is only six miles from Mount Carmel. And, uh, and so I can, it can help tell about the difference in the distances and, uh, and then little stories that are told in one place can build on, uh, the next place that you're going. So I really wanted to help people just understand, uh, viscerally and experientially what it's like to travel to these spots. So we flipped from old to New Testament and, and from A to Z, if you will, in, in sites. But in doing so, I wanted people to feel like I'm really on a trip to Israel going to these sites in the order in which I would, I would visit them when I were there. Learn what theology is and how to study God within the Bible in course number seven of our In-Depth Bible Study Academy. In this academically built course, you will learn the tools to study God's character and nature within a Bible passage and how to grow closer to God relationally through Bible study. This course titled Theology, Knowing God Through In-Depth Bible Study is packed with teaching lessons, homework, quizzes, and a resource list for personal study. Head to our website, coffeeandbibletime.com, to learn more about the Academy and course number seven today. Use promo code CBT Podcast, that's CBT Podcast, to get 50% off this course right now at coffeeandbibletime.com. Yes, and that's really how you feel when you read the book. Do you think that um, the Chosen series too has also like piqued people's interest about wanting to go to the Holy Land? Uh, it has. Uh, in fact, I'll tell you two stories because this last trip we were on, uh, the the uh, we had a, a couple with us. Their son is one of the writers for Cho- the Chosen. So, uh, so we were talking about it, and uh, in fact, he he just wrote to me and said that next week I could if if I could they could. Uh, they're going to be at the uh, site where they're doing the filming right now for the next season. And, uh, you know, if I, I couldn't, couldn't make it over there, but I uh, thought what a nice invitation. So mm-hmm. I, I think it is piquing people's interest because it's telling the story. Uh, well, it's, it's, I, I call it preaching the white space. They're, you know, they're, it's, it's creative fiction in a good sense, mm-hmm. uh, but they're helping people understand that it wasn't just cardboard cutout figures, you know, on a flannel board moving across the land. It was real yeah. people. Now, right. my problem, and I, I love the series, but my problem is when they're at the Sea of Galilee, I'm looking at it going, but that's not the Sea of Galilee. That's, <laughs> uh, I, I, I know too much. And it, yeah. it, so it, it, it hurts me. Uh, yeah. And it's a shame because it's, it's a well done series that's telling the story in a terrific way. And I do think raising people's interests about, about seeing the land and traveling to the land. Yeah, sure. Well, kind of what you just said there about the Sea of Galilee. I'm sure that you find um, that when you get to Israel, a lot of the actual locations, perhaps for biblical events, are debated, like the site for the upper room or Jesus' crucifixion and burial. How do you deal with that um, thing that happens um, in your book and when you're talking to people on the tour? 
Well, it, and on tour, and this is the part I love. Uh, it's amazing how many places we do know. Uh, you know, we, we'll be able to say, you know, it's, it's this spot or somewhere in this area it happened. And uh, we can be pretty certain about it. But there are places, and the upper room is one example, the two places for uh, the crucifixion or another. Uh, and the way I found, uh, at least that I handle it, that works well for me, is I, I, I put on my professorial hat and I'll say, well, now here's some reasons for this and some hold this. And I'll try and explain why I think one might be a better option than the other uh, based on the evidence. But the other thing that I found, and it, it really came from Mark Twain reading his The Innocence Abroad, uh, but Mark Twain used humor. And as uh, what I found is it really does help sometimes to say, well, it might be here, it might be there, but really let's look at both spots and what can we find that uh, can help us. And uh, finding something humorous connected with the spots uh, does help uh, put it in the right perspective and cement it in our minds. And in fact, I, I got in trouble a little bit writing about the upper room because I have the traditional upper room, which is in the right part of town, I'd say to people. And then we have the alternative upper room, which uh, it, it, it's you have, when, when you have to go downstairs to get to the upper room, it just loses something in my mind. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but I tell the story, but I, I've had some people say, well, you, you were a little bit, uh, uh, you know, flippant about that, weren't you? Well, yes, but uh, it just helps. Otherwise, people can get bent out of shape or uh, or angry even, you know, it, if it doesn't meet their expectations. So humor really does help, especially when dealing with the alternatives. Mm -hmm. I found it interesting. Uh, one of your stories I was reading in the book about the, the swine going over the edge um, and just the debate that you had. Could you tell us that little story quickly about oh, someone who thought I can and, and, a different and location? He still disagrees that most people have the event taking place at the southeastern end of the Sea of Galilee, but there's no no steep bank leading into the sea. And uh, there is up to, uh, about about halfway up. So I was arguing with this fellow and and he finally said it was a student group. And he said, OK, well, let, let's I'll take you there. So we stopped the bus and we started these students on an impromptu hike. And then he got lost. And instead of finding the steep bank he was looking for, we ended up coming on an ostrich farm. Of course, I wouldn't let him forget it. You not only have the wrong place, you have the wrong animals. And uh, I, I became merciless at that point uh, in pointing it out to him. But uh, yeah, he still won't change his position, but but he also won't go with me on a tour. Yeah. Oh, boy. That was that was really funny. Well, your book is so beautiful in that it has over 250 color photographs, again, that make you feel like you're there. It includes maps. Tell us why you put such an emphasis on the visuals and where where you got them. Well, uh, where I got them, I, I have about 35,000 pictures and, and, uh, and a couple thousand videos that I've taken while I've been in Israel. Uh, I'm, I say I'm always looking for the perfect shot and I've never found it. So every time I go, I'm, I'm still taking thousands of pictures. Uh, so the, the, uh, virtually all with about, uh, about two or three exceptions, the pictures are all mine. Uh, the maps I got, uh, from Google Earth because they're very accurate and I wanted people to see where places are and how they relate to one another. In fact, even on a tour, I take a map of Israel and I mark every day where we're going to go and what we're seeing because otherwise I found people sit on a bus. They don't have a clue where they are. They get off. They look at something saying it's unforgettable. They get on the bus, go somewhere else. And by day three, they're, they're going, I have no idea where I was. Where am I? Uh, and so helping us put things in the right spot on maps helps. And, and that's why I wanted the maps in. And then uh, I just wanted as many visuals as possible because I, I tell people it's a sight seeing trip. 
And so you got to see the sights. And the best yeah. way to do it in a book form is to put as many pictures as possible. Mm. Yeah. And they are, they're just so enlightening. Well, you have, as you've gone on these trips, I'm sure that you have seen people changed uh, by actually going on the tour to Israel. How do you expect sort of a similar impact from the book? What are, what emotional impact do you see? I'm hoping, travelers? yeah, well, I, well, I'm hoping that when somebody, it, it won't be quite to the same extent. There's, we always say it's, you know, you, 10% of what you hear, 50% of what you hear and see, you remember, and 90% of what you hear, see, and do. And, and a, a trip is really an immersive experience. But, mm-hmm. but this is as close to immersive as I could get. And so I'm hoping somebody will, will leave and going, uh, there really are real places. Uh, these events really happened. I can trust the Bible. And even if I mm-hmm. had trouble visualizing before, I can now visualize some of these places yes. and, uh, and, uh, put that into my mind as I'm reading through the biblical text. Uh, I also hope that in some cases, some people who've been afraid or there's whatever's been holding them back, that at some point they'll go, you know, maybe God does want me to go to Israel. I'm going to pray and say, Lord, open the door if you want me to go. And they'll just walk by faith through that door because when they do go to Israel, it will make the book pale in comparison because they'll actually have their, the shoe leather on the ground, uh, that tells their feet what it was like. They'll, they'll have a deeper appreciation for Jesus and the disciples walking places, uh, just by having been there. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And what I loved as I was going through it, knowing that hopefully someday I'll get there, but I love how you give us the re- the scripture references so that if you, you want to be more fully prepared, that you can sort of research those before you go. And I think it probably add that much more to your oh, trip. Absolutely. Uh, the, the more preparation people put into a trip, uh, the more they're going to get out of the trip. And I, I say you know, vacations, you know, they're for you know, sitting on the beach and relaxing. An Israel trip isn't a vacation. It's it's an investment. And it's an investment in your understanding of God and his word that's going to last a lifetime. And you want to put it, everything into that investment that you can because it'll all pay dividends. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Well, as we start to wrap things up here, Tell us why you think people should get the book and go on a tour. <laughs> well, I laugh. My, my wife would say, you need to do it because it's our retirement fund. But <laughs> but seriously, I think if, if somebody's saying, I, I don't understand Israel, I, I do have struggles when I read the Bible. I skip over people names and place names. Uh, the book can help them put places in perspective and, and I think give them some uh, dimension to people in the Bible so that they won't skip over those and they'll, they'll gain more insight into the word of God. Uh, I think ultimately, if, they, if they're ever thinking possibly going to Israel, it will help them prepare better. So again, it's the best use of their time uh, mm-hmm. because it, it is a th- it, it's an event that uh, pays dividends for the rest of their life. Mm. How wonderful. Well, are you holding tours that people can find out about? Do you, or where can they find out more information about you and the book and perhaps even the tours? Well, probably the, if anybody's ever interested in the tour, the, the easiest way is to uh, just contact me at the Land in the Book radio program. Uh, 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 if they go to the, the Land in the Book at moody.edu. And, and just write in and say, do you have any tours or what's coming up? I can, I can let them know about uh, anything I'm doing in the future that might have space available. Uh, uh, and then uh, otherwise, 
uh, I think if they they read through the book, they, they could if they if they contact me, I can even put them in contact with the tour operator uh, who has other tours going as well that I might not be part of, but are also good tours. Okay, excellent. And people can we will have the link to your book, and certainly people will be able to go check that out. I strongly encourage those of you that are listening. It's such an incredible experience, even just the book. <laughs> um, as I sh- I'm sure, like you've said, um, it, it only builds from there. Well, before we go, uh, Dr. Dyer, I would like to ask you some of our favorite Bible study tool questions. What Bible is your go-to Bible? And I'm sure you have a whole shelf full, <laughs> but which one is your go-to and what translation is it? Wow, well, in fact, I have it right beside me. Uh, and it's, it's, it's beat up. It's the NIV study Bible. Uh, but it's, it's, it, the cover looks totally different because I wore out the first cover. Uh, and now, now this one's falling apart. Oh. Uh, but I, I've, I love the notes in the Bible and, and, uh, I, it just, it worked well for me. And when I was teaching, most students had that. Now at the mm-hmm. same time, I'm, I am breaking in a new Bible. I have it over on my shelf, but, uh, I, my new Bible, it's not ready for prime time yet, but it's a new American standard. I, I love that translation as well. Oh. And so I'm, I'm trying to uh, get used to using that one as well. But uh, but the NIV has been the one I've used for years. Yeah. Okay. I've, yeah, I've used that one as well. Well, do you have any favorite journaling supplies or anything that you like to use to enhance your Bible study time? Well, if, if I showed you inside my Bible, you would just shake your head. Uh, I'm, I'm a, 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 a Sharpie guy i i i underline mark I, I, my bibles look almost unreadable at times and and then i like color so you know those those gel markers oh, I, yeah. I, I i i get into a kick where i i have all the different color gel markers and i'll just try and reading a passage or a book and you know uh, i'll say i'm going to use faith and and this time i'm going to use yellow for faith or i'm going to you know find something else uh it's just and i wish i could say i was i'm nice and disciplined and i have the same thing everywhere i don't yeah. Uh, but I use those and, uh, and, and, uh, it's just really helped me over the years. So my Bible definitely looks colorful and marked up. Uh, mm. and those are the two things I use. Okay. Those are great tips. Uh, lastly, what is your favorite app or website for Bible study tools? I'm again, I, I'm probably in an odd category, but Logos is my favorite, uh, app. I have a lot of books on there and it's nice to be able to go to a passage and then just say, what, what commentaries, what uh, information do I have and have it all show up? The other one I, I really do like, though, is called Accordance. It's A-C-C-O-R-D-A-N-C-E. Uh, and it's what I like about it is I can I can put up uh, four or five Bible translations. I just, uh, you know, it, it comes up with the New American Standard first, and I'll put the NIV and the ESV and the Greek or the Hebrew, and it can put them all in columns. And when I click on the one word, it'll show me what the word is in, in all the others. It, oh, wow. It's a definite way to, to go back and forth between them. And, and for, for the way I study, it works really well. Ooh, that sounds amazing. Okay. Wow. Okay. Another great tip from Dr. Dyer. Well, thank you so much for being with us here today to provide us with some insight into what an experience in Israel would be like and just how it connects us closer to God and just feeling like we were there um, back when Jesus was there as well. So 
it's such a blessing to have had you share your experience with us. Thank you. Oh, thank you. It's just been great being with you. Thank you. Lastly, head over to the Coffee and Bible Time website for our prayer journals that will help guide and document your prayer life at coffeeandbibletime.com. We will have all the links that we talked about in our show notes today. We want to thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. We love you all. Have a blessed day.